Tonight we're back to our study in Proverbs, back to God's wisdom given to us for a profitable life and God's wisdom given to us for a godly life. Now again, we might not believe it, but be sure, let me start off tonight by telling you what you're about to hear is actually priceless. What you're about to learn is of the utmost value. Now listen, the world doesn't see that. Now, the world doesn't believe that, but that is what God's word tells us. What we're about to hear tonight, what we're about to take in tonight is of the highest value. Be sure God's wisdom leads us away from strife. I wonder how many folks will find themselves in a mess of strife and wonder how could I have ever avoided this. God's wisdom will lead us away from trouble. God's wisdom, it tells us of itself, it will lead us away from sin. I wonder how many folks will end up surrounded, swirling in sin and wonder how could I have ever avoided this. God's wisdom will lead us away from sin. God's wisdom leads us to goodness. It leads us to peace. It leads us to lives that bless us and that are pleasing to him. If we will operate according to God's wisdom, we will have lives that will be a blessing to us and that will please him. Now, here's the thing about that. Here's the deal about that. His wisdom is gained piece by piece in consistent study. It's not a magic thing. It doesn't just fall on us. His wisdom is gained piece by piece. It is gained verse by verse in an effort. It takes an effort. It is gained word by word as we take it in. So let me just say tonight, Good, good job being here tonight on Super Bowl Sunday. Good, good job. Y'all are weird. Uh, I, I had a sermon a few months ago about be weird. Well, guess what? Y'all are weird enough to be here on a Super Bowl Sunday night. God is pleased. I'm going to promise you this. God is pleased, and God will bless it. All right, so we're going to start back. Tonight, here we are, God's wisdom. We're making the effort to take in God's wisdom. Proverbs chapter 25, we're going to start back in verse 12. God's word says this, Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Last week in verse 11, we talked about the value of of the right word spoken at the right time. Well, tonight continues on that same thought flow, and the verse says, like an earring of gold, like an ornament of fine gold. Now, just like last week, understand, those things are valuable things. Those things to be possessed in this day, ours as well, were rare things. And if you possess those things, they would have been guarded things. Well, the verse tells us valuable like that, valuable like those things is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Now, let me explain that to you tonight. There's two parts to that. The first part is this. The first part is a wise reprover, a wise reprover. Now, this is a person who offers not only godly counsel. Now, we've talked about those folks. They give you 
godly wisdom. This is a person that not only gives you godly counsel, but also gives you godly correction. This is a person who cares enough, who is invested enough to confront you. That's what this person is. This is a a person who cares enough to graciously correct you. And so this is not just the person that gives you godly counsel. It's not just the person who gives you godly wisdom, but is the person who is invested enough, who is gracious enough to confront you and to correct you. You ever see somebody, maybe you're like me, and you see somebody and they're just messing up, and they're messing up, and they're messing up, and you see them and you know the answer for what they're doing, but you look over and you're just like, ugh, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. They're, they're not going to listen. It's just not worth it. That's not this person. This person cares enough to confront. They, they care enough to actually correct. Now, when they do that, they are risking conflict. Uh, they're, they're, they're risking weirdness in the air in this attempt to correct. So that's the first part, a wise reprover. A sec, the second part is a listening ear, a listening ear. Now, see this, it's not just a hearing ear, but it is a listening ear. This is the one who hears the correction and listens to the wisdom. This is a person that is willing to learn, that who is willing to grow, who is willing to change. This person will entertain the fact I might be wrong. In fact, there are many times I'm probably wrong, and in their listening ear, they are willing to be corrected. Now, here's the deal. Most of us, when we are corrected, at least most of y'all, y'all rear up. <laughs> when you're corrected. You throw your head back, you dig your heels in, and I think most of the time when we're corrected, we feel attacked. Someone says, well, hey, this doesn't match up. Oh, we're upset with that, most of y'all. This person's talking about here, they are also wise enough to listen. Now, there's wisdom in the person that cares enough to correct, but this person is wise enough to listen. And so God says it is of great value to have a wise, godly reprover and a wise, godly listener. That's what he says here. It's of great value to have a person that cares enough to correct and a person wise enough to receive correction. Now I want to go a little bit further right here. I want to go a little bit further on this subject. What is needed for this relationship to exist. All right, you have a wise reprover, you have a wise uh, listener. What is needed for this relationship to exist? Well, here's the deal. There has to be a trust to the relationship. There has to be true goodwill in the relationship. You want the best for them, they seek the best for you. There has to be trust in the relationship. There has to be true goodwill. That only takes place when there is a depth to the relationship. That only takes place, there's only that level of trust, there's only that level of goodwill when there is a depth to the relationship. Let me tell you this, you barely know me, and you come up and say, you're doing this wrong, I'm going to tell you, well, whatever. 
You barely know me. We have no relationship. You, you come along and say, let me tell you what you're doing wrong. This is a close, deep, honest, true relationship. Now, God blesses us with those. Praise the Lord for that. If we have one of those or if we have some of those, uh, that is a good thing. We ought to work to build those type of relationships. A lot of our relationships are very quick. They are very shallow. We ought to work. We ought to invest to have those types of relationships. However, do you know where this is the most natural? Where it should be anyway? It is in a parent-child relationship. There ought to be real concern there. There ought to be real depth there. There ought to be true love there. There ought to be an established trust there. At least there should be. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. Do you know Satan is working to destroy parent-child relationships today? And that's what he's doing. He's working and he's working overtime. And I want to tell you, he is succeeding at, at, at wrecking, at destroying parent-child relationships. If you're going to have this kind of discourse, if you're going to have a wise reprover and a wise receiver, the most natural place for that to happen is in the home, in the parent child relationship. Well, Satan wants to undermine that. Here's, the, here's the, the truth of our culture. If you'd have stayed home and watched the Super Bowl, you'd have seen it in all the commercials. Here's the truth of our culture. Parents are dumb. Parents are dumb. Now, they give me some breakfast, some food, some lunch money. I'm going to get out of the house, but parents are dumb. You have to go to an expert. You have to go to somebody else, and somebody will tell you about this. Somebody will tell you about that. You better go to an expert. Here's the other part. Our culture says kids are a nuisance. Kids are a nuisance. And so, you know what? We've got to put them out. We've got to get rid of them. We've got to get some time away from them. We've got to drink some wine in order just to tolerate them. Well, when summer's over, can't wait. Just drop them off. Summer's over. Got them out of my hair. Listen, the most natural place for this to occur, for there to be the depth of a relationship that there can be honest confrontation and there can be the trust to receive it in wisdom is in the parent-child relationship. Be very careful today. Satan is working to destroy that. That's almost a whole sermon on verse 12. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Verse 13 now. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. Let me read that again. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. Now, in verse 13, it's talking about a person who is sent to do something. They are sent to take care of something on behalf of someone else. In this case, they're sent to deliver a message. So here's a person. They have a task. They are sent to carry it out. In this case, they are sent to deliver a message. The verse says this, and when they do it, and when it is done correctly, when it is right, it is a joy 
It is a refreshment to the one who sent them out. Now, here's the picture of the verse. It is the time of harvest. It would have been late summer. It would have been the time of harvest. It is hard work. It is hot work. It is dusty work. They're binding up the sheaves or they're stacking up the hay. And in the time of harvest, a cool wind, even a dusting of snow, blows off of the mountain. Now, it's not enough to stop the work, but it's a refreshing thing. You're out there working, you're taking care of business, and there is a refreshing wind. Well, this faithful worker, this faithful messenger, the Bible says here, is the same. Let me tell you how to be valued at work. Let me tell you how to excel at work. Let me tell you how to be a cherished worker. Be faithful to do your work. Simple as that. That's what the verse is saying. Does God care about all these aspects of our life? You want to excel at work, at your workplace? You want to be valued? Oh, they don't value me there. It says be faithful to you do your work. Now, what that means is you get there early. You do things right. You do things to the highest standard. You do the extra things. You do the things somebody else doesn't want to do. You stay late. Now, here's what it sounds like to me. I've been paying attention. Here's what it sounds like to me. We've been working through Proverbs for a year or something like that. And here's what it sounds like to me. Satan likes a lazy disorganized, excuse-giving, sloppy, inefficient, non-productive slouch of a worker. And Well, that's kind of a, a, a quick summary of what I've read. That's what it looks like. That's what Satan likes, and it looks like God does not. God is not pleased with that type of worker. That about sums it up. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest, is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. Moving to verse 14. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of his gifts falsely. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of his gifts falsely. I can remember when I was a kid, it would be maybe August 10th, maybe the middle of August or so, and it would be the hottest time of summer, it would be 100 degrees. At this time, natural in our, in our area, it would be dry. It may have rained in June, but it would be dry, and it would be getting drier. And I can remember we'd be out in the fields, and it would be the first two weeks of August, and we would have a crop, and there would be a crop there, and it's growing and it looks good, but oh, it needs a rain. And oh, if it would just rain, it'd be perfect. If it rained right now, it would finish up. And if it would rain, it would be absolutely perfect. And it would be late in the afternoon, and it'd still be 100 degrees, and a cloud would blow up. And it would roll up on us, and it would get dark, and, and you could see it coming. And when it got there, the sky would get dark. And when it got there, the temperature would drop and it would get cooler, and the wind would blow, and there would always be some big drops. I don't know if you're on a tractor plowing cotton, if you're doing something, boom, 
boom, boom on your head, some big drops. And we think, here it goes, here it goes. I can remember instantly my dad would get glad. Everybody's countenance would change. Oh, here it goes. The bottom's going to fall out. Oh, here it goes. Let's go. No cotton chopping in the morning. It's going to rain. And it would blow off and move on. And just to taunt us, the sun would always come back out. And on top of that, it would always go, we were sure, to the sorry neighbor down the road. And you could stand there and it would be, it's raining down there, and we just shake our head. The verse says, like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of gifts falsely. It's that kind of disappointment. Now, what this is, this is a person who cannot do what they promised to do, or worse than that, who will not do what they have said they will do. That's what this person is. They tell us, well, they're going to take care of that. They tell us, well, that's their specialty. They tell us they're able to do that. I'll get right on that. You can trust me with that. And they do not. And the Bible says it is a big letdown. They said they were going to take care of it. They said that's their specialty. It's a big disappointment. The cloud moves on. Here's the point of of the verse. Point is this. If you can't do it, don't say it. We, we are in a braggadocious culture where say, just say you can do everything. We'll figure it out later. Here's the deal. If you can't do it, do not say it. And if you do say it, be sure and do it. If you say it, be sure and do it. Listen to verse 14 again. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of his gifts falsely. All right, verse 15. Sometimes I worry about if my old neighbors might watch these sermons. They might be upset. Verse 15. It's the other neighbor. By forbearance, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue breaks the bone. By forbearance, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue breaks the bone. Now, I want you to think about this. How many of these that we're hearing, that we're reading, that we're thinking about, seem to be counter to the ideas of the world. How many of these, when you watch and listen to them, seem to be opposite of what the world teaches and the world embraces? In our world, how do you prove your point? In our world, how do you get your way? In our world, how do you win the argument? It's with loudness. That's what our world does. It's with aggressiveness. It's with assertiveness. You watch folks today, and they, they try and outshout each other. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It doesn't matter if you have the best information. They get loud. They attack each other. It's in aggression. The verse says here, by forbearance. It's a Hebrew word that means patience, long-suffering. It's not in the next three minutes. It's in steadfastness. It's in long-suffering. It is in patience. By forbearance, a ruler may be persuaded. It's not going to be fast. It's over time. Steady persistence. And then it says, and a soft tongue. Now, be sure it's not a silent tongue, but it is a soft tongue. 
It's talking about thoughtful words, considerate words, words that do not provoke, words that do not agitate, words that are full of reason, full of logic and wisdom, words that are based on the truth. Isn't it interesting how much of holding God's wisdom, having God's wisdom, And using godly wisdom comes back to being smart and careful in how we use our words. All of these chapters, here's God's wisdom. Here's how you use it. Here's how you apply it. Isn't it interesting how much of having God's wisdom and being a godly wise person comes back to being smart and wise and careful in how we use our words. Verse 15 again. By forbearance, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue breaks the bone. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Dear Father, we come tonight and we praise you, we thank you. We, we come, and, and from our message this morning, from our message of the last few weeks, we see you are our hope, and you are our Savior, and you are the remedy for sin and for sinners. And of no benefit for yourself, you see our helplessness, you see our lostness, you see that we are perishing, and you come and you make a way that we can be saved, that we can be forgiven. You do away with our guilt. You do away with our shame. You take our sin and you settle it yourself. Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. Lord, I pray that we will be a people of that truth. And that would impact how we think. That would impact how we want to live. That would impact how we love you, how we love your word. It would impact our relationship with your church. Lord, help us be a gospel-minded people. Lord, we come tonight and I pray for Sarah's Bible study going on tonight. I pray that you move through it. I pray for for young ladies that will hear the good news, that will have solid answers of truth that would turn to you, that would find forgiveness in you, that would walk with you. And I pray that it will bear fruit all the days of their life. Lord, I pray for the sermon series we're in. I, I pray that it wouldn't be just a thumb in people's eye. I pray it wouldn't just be a voice shouted into the darkness. But I pray, Lord, it would be holding up the truth of our Savior, of his kindness, of his grace, of his truth, that these are the truly best things that you have for us. And so, Lord, I pray for wisdom in that. I pray for ears to hear that. I pray for opportunities for that. And I pray that it would bear much fruit for your kingdom, for your namesake. Lord, I pray for the coming up study in the book of Revelation, same thing. I pray that it would be you who would speak. I pray that it would be you who would lead and correct and teach and encourage. And I pray in the study of your word that we would draw closer to you. I pray that in that, that folks would find you and they would turn to you and they'd be saved. I pray for our Monday night, mission night, tomorrow night. I pray it wouldn't just be a thing. I pray, Lord, it would be our thing. And I pray that we'd be committed to your service and to your name. And Whether we come and write a letter or go to the nursing home, make visits, Whether we sit on a prayer team, Lord, I pray that you would multiply the effort and you'd be known through it. 
Lord, I, I come tonight and I, I pray as we've studied your word, I pray that we would have the type of relationships that would honor you, that would point to you, that would push us closer to you and your truth. Lord, I pray for our homes tonight. I pray, Lord, in a world and a culture that wants to absolutely massacre our homes, change the nature of our homes, remove the dads from our homes, silence the moms in our homes, break the relationship between parents and kids in our homes. Lord, I pray that we return to you. And I, I pray, Lord, in your truth that there would be repentance and there would be faithfulness and there would be commitment. And I pray, Lord, it wouldn't just be a, a, a pipe dream or wishful thinking, but I pray that our homes would look different to the glory of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we come and now as we wrap up this day, we tell you we thank you. We're thankful that you bless us. We're thankful that you walk with us. We're thankful that you give us your truth. We're thankful for a Savior. We're thankful for every good thing that comes from you. We're thankful that you do not leave us or forsake us. We're thankful for a future that stands, for a hope that endures. We're thankful that you will come again and receive us into yourself, and that where you are there, we will be also. And I pray, Lord, in the meantime, that you would encourage us to bring as many with us, to point to you in every term. Lord, we tell you, we, we love you. You are gracious, and you are good, and you are kind, and you are powerful. And you are our hope, and you are our king. We hold up the name of our Savior, Jesus, and it's in his name I pray. Amen.